The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Big News Coming Soon podcast and this week I am back again in County Donegal and I didn't mean to have two Donegal podcasts back to back but that's just the way it worked out. I'd hoped to get a a female in between and some gender balance and some uh, county balance but unfortunately that didn't go to plan. But anyway, we're back in Donegal, delighted to be here and we're here with the man of the moment, Mr. Eric Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, sorry to disappoint you all that I'm not a woman. But uh, can you, for the purpose of this podcast, can you identify as a woman? Absolutely. My name is Erica Roberts, and I'm uh, delighted to be here. And can you be from down the country somewhere? No problem at all, boy. I don't even know where that accent was. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of Mayo, I'd say, was it, <laughs> Eric? It's fair to say you are the man of the moment. You're absolutely stuck in everything right now. It's been it's been a mental, I suppose, month or so, um, and it's been it's been difficult to process everything that's been happening. But I'm really enjoying it all. I'm I'm enjoying being as busy as I am. Sure, who knows how long it's going to last? For the one or two people that haven't heard of you, you're the man of the moment at the minute because you were on a show on Netflix that we'll get to very soon. But let's come right back to the start and let's talk about Eric Roberts. And uh, even let's just go back into growing up. I, I'd say you were in the cool gang in school, were you? Um, I don't know if other people would say that. I definitely thought so. Uh, we were we loved our football, and I was very, very much involved in athletics and sports and soccer and Gaelic and stuff growing up. Uh, and it was just it's all I thought about. Um, my my dad absolutely threw us into everything that was happening. If there was a, a rowing team, we would have been on it. Um, but I I loved it. I loved I loved being active, and I loved. Uh, having a different thing to do every day and that went on until I discovered alcohol then and slowly deteriorated and wasn't didn't live up to the athlete I could have been what age did you discover alcohol Uh, I think I was 13 or 14 no it was uh, it was like like everyone in in the country I was 
doing my junior shirt and said, geez, that's, yeah. isn't that nice? That tastes nice enough. But uh, I wouldn't say I had, uh, I wouldn't say I had too much of a love for it, but I could have been county. Do you know what I mean? I but could you get caught county. up in the hype, don't you? And the, the kind of, we had, um, it was a lake in Castlebar. We used to go to the lake at the weekends. And you go down by the lake, and that the guards wouldn't come down there. There was no real path. Do you know what I mean? Did you have a place like a that? Safe we, space. All there was deaf. We used was, to call it bushing. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't call it that, but yeah, you'd you'd be off in the, some corner or crevice somewhere in Donegal, drinking behind a bush. Or you didn't have there. a specific place. We no. didn't have a specific place. No one. I don't see too much of it happening anymore, which is amazing. Kids yeah. are too uh, too much on their devices now to be drinking in the field. Yeah, which I is hope, great. Yeah, well, that is great. And then, so when you were in school, then. Did you enjoy school? I did. I did and I didn't. I wasn't extremely academic, um, but I also wasn't not. I was just very lazy. It wasn't right. that I wasn't intelligent enough to do the exams. I was just extremely lazy, and I always did the bare minimum to just get by. Were you like polite? I just, I just passed the Leaving Cert, but I passed everything, so that was a win. Okay. And but I, the, I was never, never going to be a doctor. Did the teachers like you? Um, I was one of those ones they loved to hate as in, I wasn't like the most devious person in school. I had a bit of crack with them and they could have a laugh with me and stuff like that there. But also, I got a, a note home in my diary every single day. <laughs> so it was one of those. Right. Where are you from originally? Uh, so I grew up in Dublin and I lived in Dublin for seven years. And then dad moved us all up here. Then he got a, a new job. Mum's obviously from, from here originally. And we've lived up here then since I was seven years of age. And I, I'm delighted that we have because... It was an amazing place to grow up. I love grow, growing up in the country and all the friends I made and having such open spaces and so close to the beach and stuff. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate, obviously, for Donegal. More more recently this year, I've, I've been doing a lot of promoting for it, but it's, it is very close to my heart and I do absolutely love living here. What part of Donegal are you from? Uh, so I grew up in a place called Glen and it's got one of the most famous pubs in the country, the Glen Bar. It's about five minutes from Downings Beach and two minutes from Kerry Garton. It's a lovely, lovely, wholesome area. And your dad has uh, somewhat become a bit of a, an influencer with his daily dips, and I just love following him. Like, he's a breath of fresh air, and he goes for a dip in Downings every day, is it? He does. Uh, so they started out, I think it was soon after lockdown, and I was actually there on the first dip, and I have, there's a video up on YouTube of it. We were went down, and it says... We'll, we'll, we'll get in for a quick dip and Frank, who has gone for a swim every single day for the past, I don't know how many years, but it's something crazy, but he's gone in for a swim every single day and we says, we'll join him. And I went down the first day, freezing cold, and Dad went semi-consistently then for a long time and Paddy, my brother-in-law, went in every single day, 365 days. He set himself a challenge went in every day. And now Frank and uh, my dad continue to do it. They're both retired they start off their day going for a swim first thing in the morning, rain, hail, sleet or shine, and they they get in, and it's it is very refreshing. Like I go, I try and go down as much as I can every every fortnight or maybe once a month, depending on how busy I am, and you just feel fantastic after it. And I can you can tell how much happier he is. He was yeah. known as a bit of a thicker, like do you know right, what I mean? He was okay. always involved in the football. And geez, he's thick, but uh, he's he's a new aura about him now, and I think that's a lot to do with that. How far is the water from your home house? Five minutes drive. Yeah, okay. so it's, it's lovely. Handy. Yeah, very, very handy. And Frank then, his wingman, is he another dub? He's another dub as well. Frank is sev- 70 years of age. And you is it just a coincidence that wouldn't. they met? In so they were they were friends for as long as I can remember. Um, and Frank's wife and my mother are very, very close as well. Okay. So they've been family friends for, for, for as far back as I can remember. And Frank was always going for swims, but it would have been a thing we would have, like, oh, jeez, he's mental, he's off his head. But yeah. dad's just joined him now since, and they've, they've, they're building their own little influencer profiles. Yeah, if you, if you follow Eric, you'll have, uh, you'll have come across them at some stage. But they're just, they are a breath of fresh air, the two boys. And they're, they're very youthful. 
the way they go on on their page. They're just after coming out of the water. They're talking about whatever happened at the weekend, and they're giving everyone a shout out, and it's just great. They they would do you, the they would do your heart good. Um, so when you left school, then you're still into you're still into football. Like you, you kind of play down the sport thing, but every time you go and play a sport, you seem to be winning. Yeah, well, I am. I I'm. I I love sports. Unfortunately, this year. I suppose it's it's good and bad. I, I was so busy that I missed out the majority of the season, but this is probably one of our most successful seasons for, for the club. We won the intermediate and we we stayed up in Division 1. We were in Division 4 not, not so many years ago and we've gone 4-3-2-1. So it's been a really successful spell for the team, um, but I'm just deteriorating my in my body what and club is that that's Downings, Downings. I don't know if, yeah okay. so we're, we're we're playing seniors this year it's an, it's an incredibly talented team but I've I've all my life I've, I've played for them but there I was always the one that was heading off to Ibiza for the summer or heading to Ayanapa <laughs> and stuff and definitely missed out I'd say on my prime years but it's always been in me I love I love trying to stay fit I'm training now for a half marathon and pre-season will be coming back and I'll, I'll try and get down as much as I can next year as well but as I say there's extremely talented young fellas down there and I just I can't keep up with them anymore yeah, what age are you now? Thirty three now. Ah, you're, you're pushing on. Ah, you're not. You're flying it. But you, you you played this charity celebrity football match last year, and then you scored this absolute screamer of a goal. I did. It's funny. I played. I think I played three Instagram matches last year, and all three games I scored the greatest goals I've ever scored in my life. And I've looked, <laughs> just looked like I did it all the time, but I had never scored yeah, such but, goals because I'm watching it thinking, God Almighty, he's just unbelievable. Yeah, I gave, I gave off that facade, but whatever happened at those games, like I would come off like, did you see what I did there? <laughs> but I, on, on the time, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. I, I played a match over in Stamford Bridge, and I scored a goal from beyond the halfway line, and I came off. But it, was, it wasn't just that I kicked it and hoped it went in. I took a really good touch and controlled it and I shot and knew the keeper was off line. I came off and the caretaker went, oh, I've worked here for 30 years, mate. That's the best goal I've ever seen scoring at this pitch. <laughs> but you just, you just spurted that out there like I played a game at Stanford Bridge. As if it's the norm, As, yeah. as if it's just across the road there, someplace you hire out for an hour. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, so I was invited over the brand, Cadbury's. I was I was the only person they brought over, and I think they had actually seen one of the goals I had scored earlier in the year, one of the other charity games, and, and I was lucky enough to be invited over. But this that's just one of 15 things that shouldn't have happened this year. Like, this year I has know. just been packed tight with ridiculous e- things. Everything that happened should have happened, and I'm not mad into the whole manifesting, but I definitely believe in if you work hard, it'll it'll come. You said Cadbury's there a second ago, and it just uh, it piqued my interest because I've done a bit of work with them before as well and it's so hard to say Cadbury Cad- Cadbury Cadbury I just say and they're very particular about it Cadbury's you're not allowed to say Cadbury's I worked with Anne Post recently oh yeah I saw and the I had comments to re- I had to refill him that Anne Post I had to refill him that voice over about six times because I'm working with Anne Post today and it was pussed <laughs> pussed <laughs> yeah no I was just um, I did a video for Cadbury last Christmas it was the Secret Santa thing and I couldn't for the life of me say Cad- Cadbury. Yeah, it sounds very posh, doesn't it? Cadbury's. Cadbury's. Yeah, it's Cadbury's. Would you like some Cadbury's? Yeah. So all the things that have happened this year, it, it's just incredible. And I, I love following your journey from from the beginning. You started out, what was your first TikToker, do you remember? Um, it was something ridiculous, as in there was a trend going around at the time. I don't know if it was very early on TikTok where you would use different emojis and you would try and act them out as the emojis were coming. And yeah. it was just the most, I think you got three likes and 16 views. And I think I might have deleted it the day after. And then I tried again the next day. 
but it was like this horrible anxiety early on posting TikToks because no one, no one posted content online from Donegal. It wasn't a thing, and I was terrified someone might see it. And then I used to do a bit of dancing. I was in a group called Static Movement, me and my friend Vinny, and we went on a show on Sky One called Got to Dance, and we did very, very well off the back of it. I think we were the most viewed clip of the series, even though we didn't do that well on the show. Okay. Um, but it was did really... You keep, did you keep your clothes on? We did. We kept the majority oh. of our clothes on. We were, we were in tights. We wore tights. For whatever reason, we thought tights would look good. Nice. So we wore tights then. And off the back of that, we used to get booked up and down the country doing weddings and nightclubs and different bits and bobs. And uh, we did that for about six or seven years. So I posted... my One of my first TikToks was a dance. I posted a dance and it went very, very viral. And I think it was 600,000 views and I was hooked. It had me. It had me. Once you get that first viral video, the claws are in you. And is this during lockdown or before that? This was peak, peak lockdown. Peak yeah, lockdown. Like, Isn't it amazing the amount of people that have been made from COVID? Like, you know, there's all the negatives that happened, but all the positives are that it did create a lot of jobs <laughs> you know it has like, turned out to be a job so many people came out of the woodwork that would have never dreamt about doing what they're doing now and me included i am someone who was i was in my job i had come back from working abroad for so many years and i had done my course worked really hard got my job and really working hard and getting permanency in a school so i could work in a school all my life and then retire and i was thinking that's i'm the happiest i could be and then coming into this year not knowing what was out there not knowing how happy i could be and this year has just been like every day is like winning the lottery and it's just been incredible but so many people are in the same position where they're actually doing stuff they really love now not just a job that they liked like people are building careers off stuff they're really passionate and really love whether it's makeup artistry or content creation or comedy or hairstyling or whatever but so many people have just come out of the woodwork from lockdown and it's, they've built careers off something they could have never imagined. All, all because we were stuck in the house and stopped caring what people thought. Yeah. How long were you in SNA in Ireland for? Uh, so it was years kind of in between different settings and schools. I started off working in a creche and then I was in a Montessori. And I used to work from like eight to six every day with children of different special needs. And then I went into units where there were specifically autism units, working with maybe only five children, but I'd be assigned to one. Then I went into primary, working in inclusive settings, and then secondary, similar similar settings. So I worked with literally every additional need you can imagine and all types of students from from three right up to 18 so it was it was it was a very enjoyable job. Every day was very different. I wasn't I I might have been assigned to one student for a couple of months, and then I'd be moved somewhere else, and it would be a new challenge. But sometimes the the children had no movement. They, they might like they might be a teenager that would need nappies changed throughout the day, or then I might have someone who's just completely one of the most intelligent people face to face you would ever speak to, but they might have additional needs that are kind of unseen or you mightn't understand what they are to the naked eye but it was every day was something different and I absolutely loved the job and met some of the most interesting students like some of whom I, I kept in contact with when I even left they were like I would consider them friends so I, I was incredibly lucky to get to do it for so long and I've definitely taken it into the kind of content that I'm creating now involving Oshin and as, as I mentioned to you before we started I'm hoping to do some children's books next year and bring disability to the mainstream more and more because the messages the, the most enjoyable messages I get aren't the ones like oh that was a really funny skit or I laughed at your joke it's the ones that are saying my son has autumn as, as well and this seeing this online and seeing how positive it is and bringing it to the mainstream is it's lovely so they're they're amazing who is Oshin? 
So Oshin is my nephew. He is 17. He has cerebral palsy and he features in my content probably more than anyone else. And he's just a bright light. The most simplistic things make Oshin happy and that everyone can see the joy in like him getting a biscuit or him getting a video off of Miss Hooley or going to McDonald's and get chicken nuggets and chips and coke. It's just really simplistic things that bring him such joy and that, that makes your problems seem a lot smaller than they are. Tell us about Oshin's character then. So he, what you, what you see online is him. He's just constantly, constantly happy. He absolutely adores Balamori, Miss Hooley. He gets very obsessive over things and that's probably the autism in him where like he'll get fixated on something and then until it happens... He can't move on to the next thing. So I've done different things over the last few years. Like he was really obsessed with postmen for a spell. So I organized a postman outfit, a post van, and we went to the post office, dressed him up as a postman, and we went around the whole post office, saw how it all worked. And then after that, he was on to the next thing. He wanted to sing in Crow Park. So we organized a tour in Crow Park. We brought him up. We got him a microphone, got him onto the middle of the pitch, and he sang in Crow Park. And then we went on to the next thing, and it was Miss Hooley. For the last two years, it's been Miss Hooley. So we've organized FaceTime calls and videos. And I'm hoping this year for his 18th birthday to actually get them face to face. But this is this is the longest fixation he's had on anything. Where does Miss Hooley live? So Miss Hooley was a character in Balamori. Her name is Jules and she's a character was 20 years ago. Balamori is an ancient show. Oh, I'm not familiar yeah, with it. It's, Sorry, an, yeah. it's an ancient show from the 90s or early okay, 2000s. Okay. But Oshin found it on YouTube and he watches it. But this will... A gorgeous woman constantly sends Oshin texts and updates and videos and stuff, and she just goes above and beyond, which is incredible. And is but it in Ireland? No, she's uh, from Glasgow. Okay, right. Yeah, so we're hoping to get them face-to-face for his 18th birthday this year. Wow. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, and so what's next, do you think? Or have you any inkling of what he might... It could be anything. Yeah. Ho- hopefully he wants to go to Disneyland or something. <laughs> <Do you know laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully a cruise in the Mediterranean yeah, whatever, for 10 like, nights. Yeah, the Maldives for a week, I don't know. Do you ever, like, do you ever, like set him up for things? Like, <laughs> oh, we, we often try. We, we got you a little cruise ship for Christmas here. Do you like cruise ships? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sheen, it's very much so he wants what he wants. And it'll be something so extravagant that you think, how in the name of God am I going to get him onto the pitch at Crow Park? Or it'll be something as easy as heading yeah. to the post office. So... We, we try and we try and make his wishes come true every year. And is that where your grow for special needs assisting came from? Absolutely. I've always, as I say, I used to teach dancing, so I work with kids there. But Oshin especially, me and him from r- right off the bat had a very, very close bond. And the family will say that it was just something about me that Oshin really ma- gravitated towards. He loved spending time with me and he was always very happy. And I think that awakened something in me where it was, I, it was probably one of the first times in my life I was like, I really want to to make someone other than myself happy. So I did whatever I could. And that's still in me now that I still try and do these extravagant things for him. But it was just such a powerful thing where I was like, I need to make this boy's life as happy and as comfortable as it can be because it's it's already so uncomfortable. So I found, a, I suppose, a new love for that in that I can do this not just for Oshin. If I do this course, I can I can do that for a multitude of children and for so many different types where I've worked, I've worked with a young girl with Down syndrome who was the loveliest human being. I'm... Literally every day for maybe three months, all we did was play hide and seek because that's what she wanted to do. And I got to the same, I was like, Oh, not again. But I would go, Okay, yes. And I would get excited, but let's do it. So there's so many things you can do for people to just make them happy. And I take try and take that into my everyday life. And my content kind of shows that because I never post anything political, I never post anything controversial. It's just every day I just try and put up something positive, and that's what I try and do when I was, was when I was an SNA, I suppose. So I'm, I'm trying to carry that on. So it was a huge decision then to leave your job, leave your day job, your security, your regular income and go full time into being a content creator. 
it was, like, it how was, many months were you tying with the idea? So I, I suppose I'd been making money as a content creator for maybe eight or nine months. Um, decent money, like money that you could probably live on. And other people in my position had probably left before they were in the position I was in. But because I'm more of an adult, I suppose, and I saw the younger creators going full-time at it, but they're in their 20s and they don't have an engagement or a marriage story about and they're not in their later 30s thinking maybe my head's a bit more screwed on I thought this is a bit of a bubble it's not going to last forever I didn't have a huge amount of confidence in myself that I was going to be as relevant as I was this year and I suppose it was before it was before leaving work I hadn't really had any of the stuff I've done this year the amazing opportunities and the travel and the tv and so it was still scary but I was busy enough that I thought you know what if I don't leave now I'll never leave I, I was getting plenty of ad work on, on Instagram and stuff, and I had money tucked away. And I says, if I if I go at it now for the rest of this year, say. So I left in May, and I said, I'll give myself to December. If it's drying up, I'll go back to work. And it was the best thing I ever did, because as soon as I left, the opportunities were just, they, they came flooding in. It was almost like a big breaking story around the country that SNA has left his job, and brands saw that, and then it just got busier and busier. I ended up going to Australia and South Africa, and... The, the wedding went amazingly and then I had Netflix and it's just been it's been a crazy crazy year that is incredible what have some of the biggest learnings been since you've become a full-time content creator because I think from outside looking in people think oh sure look at an agent comes along and you just get all these gigs and you you don't have to go looking and there's no real work to it what have some of your biggest learnings been I think if you don't sit around if you do sit around and wait for stuff to happen there's a small chance that, it, or a large chance that it probably won't happen. But when you actually go out and chase the things you're after, there's, there's a big chance of things happening. I I wasn't shy about chasing my dreams, I suppose, this year. I messaged the lad Bible, said, hi, this is my TikTok. I want to be a presenter. Any work for me? Message Virgin Media said the same thing. I, told, I saw other people working with JD doing box pops. I says, I'm doing this with the lad Bible. Now do you want me to do it with you as well? So you're actively doing this. I'm you don't have somebody doing it for I'm you. I'm literally messaging these brands, these TV outlets and saying, this is where I want to be. I can do this. Give me a shot. Give me a screen test. And off the back of that, I was getting them. And wow. then I had the BBC get in touch. I had JD take me to Australia. I had BMW take me to South Africa. I've worked with the Lad Bible. I've interviewed Liam Neeson. I've, and I've worked, I've got my own slot now in Ireland AM. I'm, I'm getting radio offers. That's all coming off me saying, I want this. How do I get it? Putting a plan in place, implementing it. And then when I'm in the situations then, performing as I know I can, I'm, I'm good on the camera, I'm, I'm quick, implement that now, and then you'll get more offers. And that's what's happened. The more I'm doing, the more offers I'm getting. But I, I'm put, I'm kicking my doors down and saying, give me a shot. And when I get them, then I know I can do well in them. That's incredible, because from outside looking in, I'm sure people assume, oh, there's your man, and he just gets a load of views, and then he gets offered whatever he wants. But you, ha- you have been kicking down doors harder than anyone. But I have, I have the content there to back it up as well. It's not a case of him sitting around scratching and saying, oh, I'd love to do this, maybe I'll message them. I'm, I'm putting in the work on the off days and creating the content and getting the viral videos and making myself a recognisable face, I suppose. But then at the same time, I want more. I, like A lot of people would be, I suppose, content. I'm extremely content in the year that I've had and I'm so, so grateful for it. And I don't, I'm under no illusions that it, it mightn't progress as it has been qu- as quickly this year. 
But I have a plan in place now for next year as well that I want to implement these things and get myself in front of the, the right people to keep progressing in the career I've had. But uh, yeah, it's it hasn't been easy. I've worked extremely hard. It hasn't just been all thrown on my lap. About six months ago, you made a comment to me as well. It might have even been longer than six months ago. It might have been 12 months ago. I think you made a comment to me saying, I'm just going to say yes to everything for this year. And that's how you attacked this year. You said, I'm going to say yes to everything. Yeah. How did that work out for you? Amazingly, as I say, I, like two or three years ago, I remember I was asked to do some stand-up comedy in front of 50 people on a Zoom in lockdown. And it terrified me. Tough gig. And I said, oh, that's... Tough gig for a seasoned comedian. Let's, but literally, it was like, it, he said, it's more so comedians that you're going to be doing it in front of. What we all do is test out each other material and it'll be fun, blah, blah. And I was like, God, no. I couldn't <laughs> possibly do stand-up. He's like, but you're so funny and your tics are so funny. No, my God, absolutely not. This year, the BBC messaged me, Eric, we want you to do stand-up in front of 200 people, live audience. Yeah, okay, let's do it. And, and doing that... I met some amazing creators. I, I was mentored by some amazing comedians. I worked with the BBC. I did the live stand-up, went incredibly, and got more opportunities off the back of that as well. So, like, saying yes to these things, things I would normally be terrified of doing, have put me in positions that I, I couldn't even have dreamed of being. And as, as well with the presenting stuff, a couple of years ago, I would have never, ever agreed or put myself forward for something that I was scared to do. Like a vox, like interviewing people in the street. I've never done that before, mm. but I did this year. Now that's, that's like comes so naturally to me. Now I wouldn't even bat an eyelid about doing something like that. So it's it's when you put yourself out of your comfort zone and you realise your capabilities. That's I suppose more opportunities came my way then, and it's only made me want to do that more now. I love being scared to do something now because things that I was terrified to do a couple of years ago now I do so so comfortably. Like going on Ireland AM now. I sat down on the couch with Tommy Bowen Murn and we were and Neve was b- backstage watching us and she was so scared and nervous we were about to go on it was 10 seconds left and we were all still chatting she was like I can't believe you were so comfortable and I, I didn't even think about it I'm yeah. just so I'm not nervous to go on television anymore Brilliant. in front of however many people so now I'm just looking for the next thing that terrifies me but then I become comfortable with and I don't know what that's even going to be I'd love to maybe jump into acting or do more presenting scarier scenarios. So it's, it's just looking for that next fix. It's almost like you're an addict looking for your next fix of getting out of your comfort zone, I suppose. I love that. And I've just had a flashback there to just this time last year. I think it was two weeks ago last year, you and I were walking up Shop Street in Galway and you were doing the, hello, I'm Eric Roberts and this is Galway and this is Christmas Markets. And you were approaching people on the street, asking them to be in a video. But that was a really awkward uh, thing to do. Do you know, just approaching a stranger saying, how are you doing? Will you be in a video? Do you remember at, the, at that time feeling awkward about approaching people? Oh, terrified, people? absolutely. Yeah. And like getting Neve, Neve would be recording the takes and I'd say, oh, oh, record it again and I'd get awkward and yeah. be panicky. Whereas now I'd, I'd, I'd happily go out and do it. There's, there's not as much fear there and that's just from repetitively doing these things. And I suppose you learn as you go as well. And the, the biggest takeaway I've had from the last couple of years is that no one cares what you're doing. No one, no one really cares what you're at. And when you realize that, the less you care, I suppose, what you're putting out of yourself, you're, you try new things. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's something that's stuck with me over the last couple of years. I just, I love putting myself out of my comfort zone now. And there's very little that will scare me if I think it's going to be funny or I think if it's going to benefit someone else. So I just, I say, fuck it. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares. When you said there, you said yes to everything and it opened up all these doors and it was fantastic and you've had the best year of your life. How close were you to burnout then? Like, what's what were the negatives? Or you you speak very positively on your page, and everything's always excellent, and everything's amazing, and everything's fantastic. 
What were the negatives? It's only in the last two months. Like, I wouldn't have complained once all year. It's only in the last two months where I have been working really hard to the point where I, every day is something. And I wouldn't say it's... I wouldn't say I was complaining, but one of the things I realized was after about two weeks of doing stuff, I stopped and I was like, I couldn't even tell you what I did the last two weeks. And normally, it's I'm so grateful and so excited to be doing the things I'm doing. But there was a period of time where I went and played in Stanford Bridge, and then I flew back and I did the BBC, and then I went to an event in Dublin. And then I was thinking... I haven't even thought about Stanford Bridge there. Like, I should be really, really enjoying these things, but I'm like, right, what's next? And you're doing too many things to the point where you can't even enjoy the stuff you're doing. So, like, even when I went to South Africa with BMW, that was a life-changing trip. It was absolutely incredible. But I came back and I had four jobs on. And by the time I got home, mum and dad were like, how's South Africa? I was like, Jack, I can't even what, when was that? And I, yeah. it's all, it's, you're alluding the fact that you're doing these mental things that no one should be doing like crazy things that if you told me three or four years ago what there's no possible way i'd be doing that to you're almost doing too much you can't even really enjoy the stuff you're doing so i i, I think coming into next year i'll be a, a bit more selective because you can you can burn yourself out if you're doing five things in a week and they're all crazy crazy things to the point where you're not even appreciating them so so incredibly grateful to be getting the opportunities, but I need to s- sit down and remind myself how lucky I am to be doing them. Because I would never want to become one of those people where it's like, oh, I don't care yet. Yeah, it's just I'm, I'm doing that for a bit of money. Like I, I love everything I'm doing now. I want to keep that for as long as I can. Do you ever suffer suffer with a bit of social anxiety now that you're very well known? and I, I go out less. I Like I used to go out every weekend. And maybe that's because I'm getting older, but like I go out less and less at home, I suppose, because th- there is... a the support up here is incredible, but you do get that small, small hometown mentality from a select few more often than not in the in the dwelling holes where people are drunk. Like, oh, there's that dickhead that makes them videos. Kinda. You, you don't. It's a, it's a tricky thing, and it's a tricky thing to speak about. You don't want to. Be, you don't want to sound like you're up your own hole. But I, I've often spoke about this. I am afraid to be out after one o'clock. Mm. I feel that after one o'clock, somebody's going to piss you off. Yeah, and there's just somebody waiting to annoy you. I think pe- people have this false sense of security with you that they know they know like it's me, it's me. Yeah. Oh, hey, Eric, it's me. Yeah, yeah. I've don't. I don't I've, never, I, I've never. I've never seen. Never you seen before. you before. But because they've followed you for two years, there's almost this understanding that like you must know me. Yeah. And they come up and there grab is, you and hug you. There is like, a very familiarness to it, like a yeah. familiarity where they come up as if they know they're your best friend yeah, and can do whatever they want, like give you a dig in the ribs, like hey, you man's me. Like it's, yeah. it's strange. So that took some getting used to. But I find. No matter where I go now, it's always it's it is very very nice interactions, and I'm so lucky as well in that. As I said, I'm not very controversial. I'm not very political. Everything I put up is just to get a, a, a quick cheap laugh. So in that sense, I don't get a lot of hate. I, I I very rarely get any sort of negative comments, and that's similar when I go out. A lot of people are just like, "Oh, I like your videos." And also, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I've been out with like Protein Boar, and I've been out with Miriam, and I've been out with them. They get hounded. Mm. They can't actually go to normal places because their demographic is like that 16 to 25. My demographic is like 25 to 40. And it's yeah. always like, how are you getting on? I follow you. you? And a thumbs up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, how are you? That's Love me. Love your page. Yeah. What's walking. your name again, Eric? Oh, I've seen your stuff yet. Yeah. So it's always nice interactions. I would hate to not be able to walk down the street. And I don't think I would ever want that level of stardom where you can't go out the front door, go to the cinema without getting bombarded. So I, I'm glad I, I appeal to a higher demographic. The most common thing that's said to me is my mum follows you. Or yeah. my mum loves you. Yeah, and it might be a 30-year-old person like, oh, my mum loves your stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was in uh, Dublin actually one day with Protein Bar, 
James Doyle Fitness, if you, if you don't know him, he's huge on TikTok, huge on Instagram. But I actually saw somebody walking into a wall looking at him. We were walking out of a shop and this young fellow, he was only 16 or 17, he was walking into the shop and he walked into the wall because he was looking back. He's like, is that, is that, is that him? Yeah. Bang, straight into he the wall. He was stepping about a Leicester picnic with the balaclava on. And even though he had the balaclava on, people still knew it was him yeah. chasing him down. Like, look at the arms on him. Oh, his arms are bigger than my thighs. <laughs> yeah, but he's lovely, and he's he's got his head screwed on so well. He's only twenty one, and we've had so many conversations, like like me and you have had about business and about how he can progress. And I suppose there's two sides to there's two sides to it. There's the PR side, and then there's having a big following. Mm. And I think I've done quite well at worming my way into the PR side of things, where I'm quite sellable and stuff. And we had loads of conversations about that too. And you'll know as well, like you. It's it's a dog eat dog industry, like yeah. But there's something very genuine about him as well. Yeah, and 100%. He, you know he is he is a gentleman behind it all. And I know he comes on and you know plays up the egedness kind of like here I am and I'm eating steak and I'm you know building muscle. Mm-hmm. But he's a shrewd operator behind it all. Oh, he is. He's not a, absolute and operator. A, yeah, but that's what I mean. It's it's a new it's a new wave of influencer. Like and yeah. they all have their heads screwed on. And. It, you were talking there about going out. It is difficult to go out and it's difficult to speak about because, like again, you don't want to sound like you're up your own arse, but you can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, you, I know you've, you've, you've a huge following, but even, say for instance, if you have half a million followers, it doesn't mean that a half a million people recognise you. It means five million people recognise you. It's only half a million that are following you. Mm. But everyone knows your face. Yeah. Or everyone will give you a second take and go, they've got, they've got a video on WhatsApp or TikTok or they've seen you somewhere. Yeah. So everywhere you go now, it's it's that kind of second look. It's like, how do I know him? Yeah. It's funny because I would go out in spells. Like, I, it might seem like I'm out quite a bit because I'm going to events and stuff. But when you're going to the events, it's only really other people that are in the industry that are there. But when maybe once every few months, I'll actually go out on on the town and stuff. And I was then, into the wild. Yeah, you notice <laughs> it, it. It gets more and more, I suppose, every time you do it. Especially with Netflix. I, I I was out there a couple of weeks ago. I was actually filming an ad for Rockshore, and we went to a pub and we we had a couple of pints. And I says, "We'll go out for a couple more." And we went up the street, walked into the a pub that I thought would be quite quiet because there was university students in the one below, mm. and they, a, few, a few people asked for photos. And he says, "Come on, we'll get out of here. We'll go to a quiet pub." And we walked in. And within two seconds, someone shouted from the other end of the bar, player 215. No and way. And the whole bar turned around. And I was like, how, how was it, man? And it was almost like I was doing an interview from across the bar and the whole bar was involved. Wow. What was your man like? I was like, yeah, he's a bit of a feckin' idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I was like, oh, we have to get out of here. We went somewhere else. It's, it's funny when it happens. And I think Neve has no idea about it. Like, Neve very early would come out with me and stuff, but when we are right then and someone recognised me, it's like, oh my God, that's crazy. That person knew who you were. I'm like, that actually happens a bit, you know? Yeah. She's like, oh no. Like, she doesn't get it. And even the lads, when that happened, they were like, geez, that's mental. They don't know they know who you are. So it's getting more and more, and I don't think I'll ever get used to it, but I, I normally, I just, I, I really, really enjoy it when it happens. Do you get the messages? So you might be sitting in a coffee shop and then you get a message 10 minutes later saying, Howie, I saw you in the coffee shop. <laughs> I, I get notes left on my car sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Are <laughs> Phone you numbers. <laughs> Phone numbers, a yeah. pair of knickers. Uh, tickets from the ticket man. <laughs> Do you think it's harder to be successful when you're from the northwest coast of Ireland? Is that a hindrance? 
Um, I think it's kind of added to my appeal. Like I'm like Mister Donegal, I suppose. Well, it's added because you're beautiful and you have a lovely accent. Oh well, I don't know about that. No, let's just call a spade a spade here, you know. And I'm saying that in the most heterosexual way ever. You're, you're with your hand on my leg. <laughs> you're. Is this uncomfortable? Do you not want it there? You're a very, very handsome man, and then you have the beautiful accent to go with it. Like, sure, that's win-win straight away. Yeah. But I mean, living on the west, the northwest coast of Ireland, has it been? A hindrance in any It's way. been a hindrance for work because all the work's in Dublin and I, I don't see Neve a lot. Like if, I, if I'm working, I could be away three or four days a week. Every, all the shoots are in Dublin, all the events are in Dublin. And for, for a long time, I was going I was going to all these events and it was totally unpaid, but it was just to network because you do need to network in this industry, meet the right people, meet the people that are booking the influencers and get in front of them and say, you want to be here and doing this and blah, blah, blah. So I did spend a lot, a lot of time traveling up and down. Now I try and only do it if it's a if it's a job and there's there's money happening and because it's it's just too much traveling so i suppose being up here and all the work being down there that's the hindrance but for content i don't think so at all because i love where i live i, I create loads of content around travel in donegal i promote loads of businesses totally for free i i, I, I if i'm going somewhere eating somewhere or drinking somewhere i would always tag them yeah. like i love i love promoting donegal and one my favorite ever campaign was the donegal campaign like showing off where we live and I, I got to go to places I hadn't even been in Donegal. So I, I, I love living up here and also there's there's not really any competition. There's myself, Daniel O'Donnell and uh, Donegal Daddy. We're the, only, <laughs> we're the only three up here. Do you know what I mean? So it's great. There's not a huge amount of competition whereas in Dublin it's a cesspool of influencers. Yeah. So I also enjoy that aspect of it. Wow. You, Donegal Daddy and Daniel O'Donnell. That is a podcast I'd love to hear. <laughs> the, the three, three of us. Yeah. The tripod. <laughs> Um, the thing about tagging businesses as well, like, and I used to really like, I used to love Instagram when I had five, six, 10,000 followers and it was just a really enjoyable time and you could go in and you could tag people and you could have the crack and you could do whatever you're doing. Now, I think when you have a big following and you tag somebody, there's people out there that think, oh, he's getting paid for that or he's looking for a free lunch now or when you're genuinely just trying to help and be supportive and show where you are that day and I do it as well I tag wherever I go to eat but there's always that underlying element of oh look at your man they're looking for a free free lunch or I think pe- pe- people just he- hate to see people doing well and that's the thing there's 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 definitely a glass ceiling hmm. where once once you reach a certain level there's always going to be someone oh just look at your man now he's begging it there like yeah but yeah I'm the same as you it's just a genuine thing where I try, I try and keep everything as organic as I can keep it. Even when I'm doing ads, I'm lucky now that I get, they, they don't look as much like ads. Normally, years ago, I would get a brief. This is what we want you to do. This, 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 say this line here. Now it's brands will say, Eric, make a video in your style. And I can kind of incorporate that into my own content. And that's the way I keep my stories as well. But I hate pushing paid stuff on people and I, I'm quite f- upfront about when they are ads yeah like you'll, you'll include everything in your captions and stuff like that there but I try and make my page not very silly because I hate being fucking sold stuff as well like right the Donegal campaign then so you starred in this new discover Donegal video and the theme of that was you're trying to tell people that it's so beautiful don't come here you, you want to leave it uh, unspoiled yeah how was that it was amazing when I was contacted about it they said there was 15 of them sitting around the boardroom talking about this campaign. Who would be right for it? And someone was like, this is Eric Roberts. And they, they sort of wrote a script then around 
me, which is crazy to think about. Like it was sarcastic and self-deprecating and embarrassing, just everything that I am, all the stuff that I would post on a regular basis. So when I heard that there was directors and producers and extras and cameramen and sound men, and it was all based around me, that was so surreal. And I was so incredibly grateful to do it. And it was the most fun I've had on a shoot. It was very, very hard at times. We were standing, when we did that sea stack climbing bit, we were standing on the side of that mountain for two hours in the piss and rain, trying to get a one second shot of me <laughs> saying, no idea, like two hours. And really? I came off the thing and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm grand, yeah, trying to be positive about it, but it was brutal. But then the next day we went and we were filming in the pub and there was like 10 extras. And in between takes, they all knew I was the star of the ad and getting the close-ups. And they're like, how long have you been acting? And I was like, about two days. <laughs> 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 so that, that was amazing as well. But get, getting, to, getting to do that was incredible. And again, it gave me a taste saying, I want, like, I want to do this again. I want to be in more ads. What, what can I do next? So I'm hoping to do some acting courses in the new year and see how that is. But it was just so fun. It was like a very full circle moment. I suppose, putting up loads of Donegal content over the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden I missed Donegal and a huge Donegal campaign. So it was great. And mum and dad got to come to the premiere of it and all the, the mayor of Donegal was there and all the directors. Donegal has a mayor? It does, yeah, apparently. I never knew that. Yeah. Whoa. He, he was either the mayor or he had some nice jewellery. Okay. Yeah. So he's a mayor over all of Donegal. Yeah, he had the big... That's, the big a chain. that's a tough gig. Yeah, it is. Because Donegal is huge. Didn't know he existed until no. after that. And do you ever get any hate? Very, very rarely, which is great. And probably now after this, everyone will be like, yep. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, but yeah, very rarely. I get comments like, um, the weight looks good on you. Or you're looking plump. Do you know what I mean? Like silly things. Things that wouldn't really bother me because... But they don't bother you because you're secure, but... Yeah. The only stuff that would bother me is if anyone spoke about anyone in my family. Right. That would be a huge no-no and I was actually a bit hesitant to even post Oshin early on out of fear of that because I know the internet's a fucking terrifying place yeah. but look everyone seems to enjoy the content and if that ever changes then I'll, I'll, I would change the content but at the moment I'm, I'm quite lucky now as the following grows 100% I get more comments but do you think you've weighed on? I mean at times throughout the year I might have more than <laughs> no, I think you're built like. I ah, think well, I try. Like that's what I mean. But there might be some angled photos where there's a bit of a pouch there and stuff, which is ah. understandable over the summer months and depending on what you had to eat holidays that day. and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it would ne never stuff that would bother me. But a hundred percent, if if there was comments about my family, like my family have gotten messages, which is strange. Like some weirdo has been me was messaging my sister, like what, like talking about me and talking about the family and stuff. They wouldn't come directly to me they, because I don't know if they think I won't see it or something. So they were like setting up fake accounts, messaging my family, which is so strange. And I don't like that at all. But like she put her page in private then, kind of would stop. Right. But yeah, going going forward, I, I think, I don't know how I would handle a lot of abuse. Like if there was hundreds of people being like, you're an Egypt, then I'd be like, maybe I am an Egypt. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure how I would handle it. It's amazing the amount of time that these trolls give it and the amount of pages that they can set up and the amount of hours they spend trolling people. Like, it's it's a scary world. It's a scary... That, that's that, what I mean. They can't be right. That, that's why I think I, it doesn't bother me because they can't really be right in the head. No, well, they're definitely not. There's obviously something amiss. But, like, lately now, that, that element of it terrifies me, you know. Um, and I, I've, like... I've made this very clear. Like, I have fallen out of love a little bit with social media over the last few months. And, like, I even put up a... 
a petrol station the last day. Like, I'm following the petrol prices because it's 10 cents cheaper in every other county except Mayo. I don't know why uh, our diesel is, is 10 cents dearer than anywhere else. So whenever I'm traveling through a different county, I'll put up a place and it's 10 cents cheaper. So I put up a place the last day anyway, but it was one of these um, pay stations. There's no staff there. And then a neighboring petrol station, two people, two different people in two different accounts started hounding me telling me that uh, they don't create any jobs and I should be promoting the place up the road and not promoting this place. And whilst you're listening to this now thinking, sure, maybe they're right, I've often promoted the other place. And the first thing I wrote back was, you never slid into my DMs when I was promoting your place. And I'd often go in and I'd often talk about it for various reasons. And I'm not going to say now because it'll be very obvious, the place. But I just said to myself, that person has often seen me promoting their business and never slid into my DMs. But with the second you mention the cheap diesel down the road that's cheaper than anywhere else in the county, not just I'm not just kind of saying, here, don't go to that place. I'm just saying this is, this is really, really cheap diesel. And they're just jumping down your throat so, yeah. so quickly. The problem is you can never please everybody, but it's, I suppose, people are so passionate then when you're not pleasing them. Like, why are you saying that? You should be saying this. Yeah. And it's like pushing their narrative on you. It's, it's almost to the point, Jesus, maybe I should. You almost feel guilty about it. Like it's ins- it's insane, The I suppose, the lack of respect some people have and think what you should be doing when realistically you're just, you're doing, you're living your own life. And Yeah. Another really interesting one I saw last week was Ekin Sue was flying from Ireland West Airport in Knock. And... They took a picture of her in the airport. She's huge, like. You can say what you like about her. You might not follow the show. You might not know who she is. But she's a celebrity. She's a huge celebrity. So she was flying through our little airport, and they took a picture of her and put it up on, in, on Facebook. And the first comment was, um, every customer should be treated the same traveling through the airport, right? So they wrote back, uh, hi, Dara, we'll take a picture of you the next time you're coming through. Don't worry about it. And he wrote back, no, thanks. I don't want one. <laughs> So he was given out that they took a photo of Ek and Sue. Then they said, no problem, we'll take a picture of you the next time you're here. And he goes, no, I don't want to. I'm not, I don't want a photo. Just given out for the sake of giving just out. Just exactly like, given out for the sake of, of giving people, out. A lot of people literally <laughs> just want you to see what they're saying and react in some way, shape or form. I don't know if you saw last week. Someone messaged me and was like, you were, you were so shite in Squid Games. And I messaged back, thank you. And they messaged me back. Just being honest, sorry. Would you like to meet me for a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I was in shock. I was like, "You, how, who are you to be sitting there thinking this is going to work? As uh, if I'm like, yes, let's meet for a coffee. I just said, yeah, I'll see you in Costa Coffee, half four. Can you wear imagine? something nice. Can you imagine it? And then someone else wrote to me and he was like, yeah, nobody even saw you on Squid Games. I, I, I paused it three times, couldn't find you in the crowd and stuff like this. I'm like, why? are you messaging me this like yeah how is it of any benefit to you let's break that down now before we start talking about squid game let's break it down and say right you were shit in squid game like how can somebody possibly even have that opinion you know you go into a game you do your best you get as much airtime as you can or as little airtime as they give you and that's just it end of story yeah you can't slide into somebody's dms and say you were shit in squid game yeah I actually beat like 400 plus people and so I wasn't that shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <take> <laughs> yeah exactly. That's, the, that's one way to look at it. I, I used to not go crack out of them as well and, and I still do sometimes. It's just I need a bit of a, I need to reset myself and, and find the love for it again but the, the, 
lately the one that I'm getting a lot of uh, comment on is my dog walking on the road and I say car and she stops until the car passes and now everyone's saying oh you need to have a lead blah 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 so the the one I knock good crack out of and that makes me smile every now and again was like sorry but your dog needs to have a lead they could go out into the car and, and be killed and I just write back apology accepted because they started with sorry yeah and like it has four and a half thousand likes and i'm just <laughs> delighted that my apology accepted has four and a half thousand yeah. likes and it's just it's 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 nice being able to interact in a polite way yeah and I, ha- that's what i love doing i love killing them with kindness yeah like i'll always respond something with thank you yeah yeah thank you for that and then it's like oh and there's an awful lot of people taking everything for gospel that they see online as well. And they see something online, they go, oh, that's gospel. I'm sharing that. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how it happened. Instead of going for a second, hang on now a second. You know, like lately a thing happened down in Mayo and there was a, a country music night in a local hotel. And the next day a video went viral of this big massive brawl in the hotel, throwing chairs. And it went around on WhatsApp going, this happened at a such a one's concert. It's public knowledge. It was in the news, but I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to name anyone. But it absolutely ruined the hotel for two or three days. Somebody just sent this video of somebody fighting. It turned out the fight was down in Clare five years ago. And somebody goes, this happened at such a country music night there in that hotel two nights ago. Went viral. Then all the news had to come out and say that it wasn't that hotel. That hotel then were getting calls. And the... But the amount of belief, and even I heard Raybo and Kendi talking about it on their podcast, where um, Raybo was talking about his mom, you know, and his mom got it on, on a WhatsApp. And, that, and straight away, oh, did you see what happened? Yeah. But it's very easy to believe, and we're very quick to oh, believe. People are immediate with it, like, oh, oh that's gospel, yeah. That's Instead that of going, one. is that that hotel? Yeah. I've been in that bar a hundred times. Does that look like the bar that I have been in? People yeah. are just so quick to go, well, that's definitely what happened. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah, Gospel. and it's like, you know, if I was at an event with a girl or I get photoed with a girl or something, well, they're definitely riding. Yeah. That's it. They had sex. It just sex. takes one murmur or they one had rumor sex. and that's it, yeah. That's it. End of story. On the gossies the next day. I saw the photo and his hand was there on her waistband and that, that means that they had sex. Yeah. And there's no other narrative. It doesn't <laughs> They've matter. They've been out years, them two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B or B homes make your dream home a reality. We do it all from start to finish. Your one-stop shop to becoming a homeowner. Log on to brbhomes.ie. Let's talk about a Squid Game then. So, what is Squid Game? What's the original Squid Game? So it was a show set in Korea. Um, where people, I suppose, from underprivileged backgrounds were offered an opportunity to win millions, but they didn't know when they signed up that they were going to be murdered off one by one. It's a very gruesome and gory, I suppose, depiction, and it's all child's games. So the first game was the famous red light, green light, and people were aware then that people were getting shot, and then it's just this extremely entertaining show then. How many people entered? 456 people, and then one one survives, essentially. And the show that I took part in was a mirror image of this, except no one died, thankfully. Right. What was the blood? Ketchup? Uh, so I actually watched on Netflix the making of Squid Games The Challenge, and it was very entertaining. And the work they put into it was incredible. And they actually tested different squibs or blood packs for, like, months to okay. see what the right one was and the work that went into it to get the right splatter, and it was too chunky at first. And So we were all equipped with these blood packs, essentially, mm-hmm. for red like green light and so for the for the challenge then so this is the squid game the challenge no one died it's the same concept same idea same games somewhat 
um, but obviously no one died. But how much was the prize fund? $4.56 million. So the biggest in reality TV history, essentially, which is why it's probably one of the number one shows on the planet at the moment. And how long were you in the in the game? So I was in the game for two weeks. How does it come about? How does it come about where a man from Downings goes on to a Netflix TV show? How did that so there's cast and producers, and I'm not sure how many, but they're based all around the world for, for a show like this because it's a global show. And I was contacted by a cast and producer who followed me online. Now, having an online platform was didn't help or hinder your chances of getting on the show. It just so happened that the casting people go out and look for people all around the world. And he had followed me and said, you'd be, you'd be a funny character on the show, why don't you apply? And I applied in a whim, and it was around six months of interviews with producers and casting calls and Zooms and... What's your game plan? Tell us about yourself. What would you do with the money? And then it was whittled down from around 90,000 applicants to the 456. And we were flown to London then. And you have to do some sort of psych test or like make sure you're all there? You had to do medicals. You had to do psych tests. They had to background checks from 10 years ago just to make sure that you were who you say you were and you weren't like a crazy racist person and all this here. So there was it was a strenuous process. Like I had to, do, I had to go to the doctors and get physicals done and... You had to be in the right headspace for it. Like there was talks with therapists before going in, what could happen, and so yeah, we were we were very well prepared going in, right? But nothing could have prepared us for what we were in store for. I don't think. And where was it filmed? It was filmed in London, in a big, massive warehouse, a gigantic place. You forgot you forgot where you were. You didn't know you were on TV because it was just cameras everywhere. And after red like red like green light lasted eight hours. So it's like a big air hangar. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And you're in. You didn't see daylight for two weeks. So there was sets and then there was the dorms. So the sets were all the games essentially, but they were incredible. Like the money spent on it was mental. And then the dorm, there was 200 beds in one room. But every time people were eliminated, they'd take beds out. So the dorm got bigger and bigger as the, as the time went on. And when I went out, there was only 30 beds left. So it was a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. But the, the toughest part was the dorms. You wouldn't see daylight for days. You were sleep deprived. You were starved. Didn't know who to trust. They didn't feed you? Very little. Like what plain white rice or we get mushy porridge. And that was part of the game plan? That was it. They just, like, the show itself is so PG compared to what we actually went through. Like, I, I put up a YouTube there the last day, like a behind the scenes before going in and then immediately after coming out and I'm gaunt. Like, I'm so thin and pale and my eyes are just like sunken. Like, I was in bits. I was in actual bits. Did you know that going in? Oh, absolutely not. They... I thought it's going to be a TV show. You, you know thought there'd be a bit of luxury be? in the background? or a Not bit of... luxury, but I didn't think it could be as bad as it was. Right. And did you sign your life away going in? Did yeah. They, so you basically say, right, I'm signed up. Yeah. Do what you want to me. But even at that and all the scare, you were thinking they were scare tactics and you would just think it can't be that bad. But it was worse than I could have ever imagined. And did anyone ever complain? Had you? Oh, God, every day. People... Was there like welfare checks or like... Yeah, constantly. But like people were in bits in there. Like, people were falling apart. Like, people like people were getting really chap lips and using the condoms that were in the bathroom to rub all the lips to keep them Sorry, out. using the what? There was condoms in the toilets, and people used the lube and the condoms for their lips because they were so chapped. It was such a dry room. People got infections in their lips and had to leave over the back of it. Like, we were we were banging at the doors at nighttime to feed us. Like, it was brutal, like. Right. So, there's so much hair I need to process. The chap lips. People were getting chap lips because there was no aircon in there, was there? Or maybe so, it was, it was too just much a aircon. room with no windows. Right. And then there was condoms in the bathroom. Condoms in the bathroom. Because they obviously assumed people might 
have relations while in there. But everyone after two days was so everyone hated each other. Everyone was, everyone was banjacks, and no one could do anything. Do 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 you think did anyone do the no pants dance? I, I highly doubt it. With how I felt in there, I can't imagine anyone was in <laughs> You're like, the last thing you would get is a it horn. the last thing you were thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> you were just thinking about making it through the night. Yeah. Going for a posh wank, that'll be about the height of it. Yeah. Oh my. And was there any privacy away from the cameras where you no, could? No, there was cameras in the cubicles. There was cameras. There was, I think there was 200 plus cameras in the room everywhere you went. So there was no, there was no spot that wasn't visible, basically. And is there anyone that you think even kissed or had a connection or got close to each other? I think very, very early on when there was maybe 200 of us in there, there was definitely probably people flirting and stuff. But I don't think, no, I don't think anyone that and early they on. very quickly turned on each other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't trust anybody. That was the hardest part. It was the fakery of it all. And I went in there. I was under no illusions what I was there for. I was there to build my profile. I had an online profile already i wanted to go in there and be hilarious and make everyone laugh and be the funny guy and crack loads of jokes not knowing that the show was going to be portrayed doom and gloom and not showing anyone laughing or having a good time so i went about a tits up like i was holding talent shows and i was going around every single alliance and group and making them laugh and i was the funny guy in there and people have actually come out after the show some big characters on the show and said can't believe eric wasn't shown he was so charismatic and funny and blah 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 but that's just not what they wanted depicted on the show. Okay. So that's why I didn't get a lot of screen time, obviously. Even though I was doing so well in the games, I came second in red light, green light. I got the umbrella, smashed it. I won my mar- marbles game 5-0. Like, I just soared through every <laughs> soared through every the game. The marbles game wasn't shown, though, was no, it? No, it wasn't, no. So the mar- you had to throw a marble into a pot. Throw it into a pot, yeah. And this, I was playing an American girl, and she was like, have you played beer pong? We could try that. Knowing full well I've been in darts leagues for the last five years, I was like, yeah, okay, we'll play that game. And just annihilated her five nil. But it's, again, not like other people were like really having emotional games. And I was like, ding, ding, <laughs> ding. I was like, right, next game. <laughs> and then for the cookie challenge, the umbrella was the hardest one. Yeah, and, and you, I just smashed that as well. Right, just, just chopped it out. What was your technique with that? Were you licking the back of it like I wasn't licking else? it? I spat on it like it did something to me. Like I like it owed me money. I was spitting <laughs> on the thing just for. For about four or five minutes, just <laughs> covered it and then just chopped it out like soggy biscuits, picked it out of the thing. Were you shitting yourself? It was terrifying. And I'm, I'm playing it down now, but like when I left, so obviously you got, you got, you picked a line, you got in that line and that's the shape you ended up with. Hmm. So because some donkey at the front had to pick. That's fucking easy, yeah. Yeah. So I was in my line with the only people that I spoke to in there. I was in the line with my group of friends that I had met. This was my alliance three or four days in. And I was only one of four out of 50 odds to do the umbrella. So all my friends were gone. So I went in there, past, no. past the umbrella. I was thinking, oh my God, I have to make new friends. And I broke down, started crying. I just, I was in bits because it was so intense in there. And I realized where all you, my friends are gone now. I've where no did one. you break down then? When I, when I came out of the set. So as soon as I, you, it shows me walking out after completing it. And yeah. the two girls go, oh, he's, he's good. He's got through. They were some of my friends. All of them got eliminated. And I walked back in knowing that I'm on my own again. And I have to go around making new friends before the next game. Next game could be tug of war and I don't have any friends. And you started crying. Like, I mean, hysterically crying for about 45 minutes to the point where I was inconsolable. They were bringing me water. Welfare team was over, like, patting me on back. It'll be okay. Did anyone and try like, and console you? Oh, they did. From yeah. the game? No, because once once I had completed that task, I was brought. you were brought to a room and you weren't allowed to know who else got through because it was all so cloak and daggers. So I was brought to a room and I had to sit in that room for an hour and a half by myself. But I was just on like in bits, like in bits. 
And did you think about pulling out? No, because not only was it I'm alone now, it was also for eight hours, I found out I got Umbrella, and then we didn't play that game for eight hours. Oh so for eight hours, God. I thought to myself, fuck it, I'm going home. Got Umbrella. No way am I getting past Umbrella. Fuck. Second game, I'm out already. Came over here. Fuck's sake. Definitely going home. Thinking like this for eight hours, made mm. peace with the fact that I was going home. Sat down to do the game, and we had to do it in quadrants. So it was quadrants of ten. So the first ten people went, no one did it. The second ten people went, no one did it. And I was thinking, fuck's sake, I'm definitely going to watch. It can't be done. Umbrella yeah. can't be done. Third quadrant and two people did it. I was like, fuck, maybe, I maybe I'm not going home. Did it. And then it was that, that was the whole thing of, oh my God, I'm still in the game. So it was overly emotional. that I, I, No one got past it. I got past it. This is going to be huge for me, like mental. Yeah. So it was, it was like, all my friends are gone. I'm alone. I made it though. I'm through. So it was this like euphoric kind of, holy shit, I'm still in the game. How far can I get? So it was scary. It was a scary. It was it was a scary time, but it was also maybe I can go on and do well in the show. They're definitely going to show me now. I was I did umbrella, and it was like crazy emotions. It was crazy emotions. And did anyone knock on the door and say, "I want to go home"? Well, at that point, no, because there was talk of one fella saying he wanted to go home. Yeah. So if you showed any sort of week, he was a lesson learned. If you showed any sort of inkling that you didn't want to be there, you were gone. Okay. You couldn't give anyone any reason. And a lot of the people that were shown in the first five episodes didn't make it to the next episodes because they were the, the characters. Yeah. You couldn't be a character. And it was one of my game plans to just not be a big, loud voice in the room. Don't nominate yourself for anything. Don't do any challenges. Don't be doing any chores. You just didn't want to be in anyone's eyesight because if you were, you were gone. How hard was it to sleep in there? Initially, very difficult. Initially, very, very difficult. Because I'm from the country. Like some people were saying, they live in the city in New York, and this they're used to this kind of noise and stuff. But for me, two hundred people, people sleeping in a room, chatting, mur- like whispering conversations, snoring, snoring, farting. getting up to go to the bathroom, getting up to fill their water bottles up. Like it was intense. But also, you're in London on a Netflix show, and that's in your head, and you're like, what's next? You can like it was very difficult to sleep. So everyone was wrecked, tired, and we only got about six hours sleep a night or something. In between games and stuff. Did anyone completely freak out and break down and go ape shit altogether? So people were in and out to welfare and die rooms all the time. But as I say, no one really wanted to show any weakness. And everyone knew why the, it was a strange sort of thing that when you're in that situation, you're in it. Like you kind of, you're in it. You can't describe it because you've never been in it before, but you're aware of what's going on. You're aware why you're there. But it, the reason it was so mentally draining was because you were constantly thinking, what can I do next? Who do I need to speak to? Have I spoke to that person over there? Maybe I've spoke to them too much. Like it was always on. You were always switched on, which was tough. Yeah. And you, like the people would like hold yoga classes that you didn't want to be a part of, but you would just in case they'd be like, why is he sitting out? Prayer circles was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, come on, y'all. Let's praise the Lord. And you were standing there. Oh, for you were like, yeah, let's get involved. Yeah. And so, on the inside, you're like, kill me now. Yeah. So it was, it was stuff like that was crazy. But then we all thought tug of war was going to be the next game. So I was going sitting beside all the muscly lads. Like, yeah. Oh, I bench 100 kg. What are you lads bench? And like <laughs> trying to slip it into conversations. Like I saw that. Yeah. They were doing push ups and everything. Like, yeah. Pumping we were themselves all full. up. We, everyone just wanted to get through the next game. So you would use anything in your power to do it. Like, so it was just constant. That was genius from the producer's point of view, where they thought like they, everyone was convinced it was tug of war. Yeah. And then curveball. No one knew what was battleships. happening. It was done so incredibly well. And that's how they built the show. But when you were there, none of us knew what was going on. Right. We never knew what was happening, like which was which made it so entertaining. Did you make any lifelong friends? 
I made I made friends, absolutely made friends, friends I've kept in touch with. So the, the Aussie lads were hilarious. Yeah. And the majority of the people I was friends with were cut because the people I was closest in there were the very, very, very normal people. I couldn't cope with the cringiness of the really playing the game and really getting immersed in it and stuff, which is, I suppose, silly. If you wanted to be shown on TV, that's the way to do it. But our group, I suppose, was just like talking about what we were going to eat when we left and cracking yeah, jokes yeah, yeah. and, do you know what I mean? Just totally normal stuff. What's your favourite colour? Yeah. <laughs> just literally, like, what are you going to get to eat? I'm, like, I'm going to get a burger. Do you like dogs? You? Yeah. So your man then that's on the cover photo for the TV show, the American guy, um, was he a right pain in the hole? Did he come across your radar when you were in there? I mean, everyone knew. Did e- they? Yeah. Everyone knew. And we all knew he was going to be the character that they've shown him as because he was constantly being whipped in and out of the room and he was constantly getting nominated for stuff and like in and was, out of the diary room yeah right everyone knew he was going to be a big character it's just his persona he had that alpha male sort of stuff where at the time it was like it was intimidating because you didn't know whether jesus maybe i should make friends with him but they, they made him out to be a bit of a dickhead though he was a dickhead like right oh yeah because yeah. he's on his tiktok now saying i'm not a dickhead oh no he's a dickhead right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was it was hard to listen to like do you know what i mean he was the he was the alpha male he was overly confident he was gonna win but like that's the people then you wanted to get rid of. So it was like... Yeah. Yeah, everyone, sure he had everyone tar- knew then. He it, had a target on his back. Exactly, yeah. You didn't want to be that guy. You didn't want to be... And it was funny because I came second in Red Green. Like, I did the umbrella. I hammered my marbles game. I Like, I was going so under the radar that no one was really batting an idol. But realistically, I was doing better than everyone in all the games. But I was, I was just portraying this like funny Irish guy nothing to worry about but I like I, I know for a fact if I wasn't eliminated the way I was eliminated I would have easily gone through the games because I didn't really care about anyone that was left I would have happily backstabbed I would have happily nominated someone roll a six and do you know what I mean it wouldn't have concerned me but you're you would have backstabbed anyone sure, to win four and a half million sure yeah. you'd backstab your granny and you'll see the people that made it to the final <laughs> you didn't see them in the first seven episodes because they were all they kept quiet went under the radar and how were you eliminated then? So there was 30 of us left and we had this big speech all together. Let's all look out for each other and we're all, we've all made it this far. Let's go out in our own terms in the games and let's not double cross each other. And about 20 minutes later, all the girls got together and said, let's keep ourselves in girls. Let's get rid of the, let's get rid of all the guys. If, if we can keep each other in, let's do that. Now, no the way. ones that were orchestrating this didn't care about women's rights and feminism and stuff. They just wanted to save their own backs so what happened was then there was an elimination. All 10 women made it through and 10 men were eliminated, which was I don't horrible. understand. How did that happen? So basically a captain was nominated right. and that captain had to pick one person to save. Was that so, captain female? No, that captain was male. But as soon as a female was chosen, it was woman, 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 the whole way down the line. Oh, the so all the women one was saved. saved and then one saved another. It was just like a domino effect then. All the women were saved and people were giving speeches saying... We need to even out the, the odds. Let's save the women and all this here. And there was a, f- a couple of men saved in between, but they would have been really friendly with the girls. But essentially, it, it panned out that 10 men were eliminated, which was awful because I left there thinking, I didn't care if you were a man or woman or black or white or whatever you were. We were all people competing. It shouldn't have mattered that I was a man. Do you know what I mean? It shouldn't have, I shouldn't have gone out on those terms. I wanted to go out in the game. And what was their thinking behind that? They thought, like, women power or... Realistically... The, was it, like, a, a strength thing? Realistically, at the forefront of all their heads was, I want to save myself here. How can I do that? And very cleverly, they said, let's all save each other. Then we're guaranteed safety. But they, because there was 20 men left and 10 women, 
that was their excuses. Let's let's even out the the it, odds, girls. Like just in case it was a game of tug of war or something. Could have been anything, yeah. Right. Like, let's save each other. Whatever okay. happens, let's save each other. And then imagine if men did that. That's what I said. Yeah. Imagine. Let's get the girls out. If men, if the man said, "Right, lads, right, just don't bring any women with you," you'd be hung. Oh, it'd be game over. Yeah. You'd be cancelled the minute about. you get out of the hangar. Yeah, and it's funny because I made a few TikToks when I when the show aired, and I was like, "What do you think? Like, if lads did that, it'd be a different story." And, and what kind of response women, did you get? Women go through this every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we have to deal with every day. I'm like, oh, jeez. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so that was a really shit way to go then. Yeah. Because it was awful. And it wasn't even a challenge. It was just that you weren't picked. Yeah. And I had done so well to get to that stage. Yeah. For it to be taken away as it was. was you awful. had it hard. Yeah. And every the response has been amazing because everyone's, even though I wasn't shown a lot, people understand that that's, I suppose, the show. So it's not... Like other shows where if you were on Big Brother and you weren't showing a lot of people, like you weren't you weren't even in it, blah blah blah. But people are like, you played a good game, kept your head down, you were doing so well, and then it was like ripped from me basically. So it was awful. So you got down to the final thirty. Final thirty, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And then when it came to watching the show, did you have like a night with the family? No, I didn't because I don't know if it was an anxiety thing. I just wanted to sit myself and watch it. Did you I watch it on your I own? I wasn't scared of what was going to be shown, or I didn't know how much or how little I was going to be shown on it, and I knew I conducted myself in a way that I was I wouldn't be worried about what happened. Firstly, how many months are you waiting for this to air? So January, so like 11. oh my god, yeah, that's eleven mon- months of anxiousness. Yeah, well, it wasn't. That I was. It was more excitement. Knowing there was a couple of things that I was fearful they might show Go moments on. of weakness. Go on, and. It wasn't I all year I thought about how I can spin if they do show this what am I going to do like what this is awful so there was one real moment of weakness when I during my elimination where I was looking around and I was thinking who could possibly save me you know trying to trying to do the math in my head and I thought to myself this guy behind me is probably going to get picked because his friends are up there so I turned to him and I looked him like dead in the eye and I I mouthed at him I was like pick me and he went he was like what I was like fucking pick me if you get picked Right. And he was in shock because I never really spoke to him before. And like just a pure desperation. He was like, what? What are you, what? I was like, pick me if you get picked. <laughs> he was, he didn't know. It was so awkward. And I turned back around and I realized what I've done. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be shown on television. Were you not allowed to speak or? Like no one was really talking. It was, right. it was so tense. Like if yeah. you see, it was so incredibly tense. But then obviously I wasn't safe and I left and I went, why? Why did I do that? If they show me begging to be saved, now oh, that's some basic. Sure, that's only that's but that was one of my biggest fears. I knew I can just trying myself to survive. Normally. Yeah, yeah. But I did get to that. It got to the point where you forgot you were on TV. You just want all that mattered was staying in here. All that mattered was surviving. Like <laughs> for a minute there, I thought you were going to say you were chatting up some guy or something <laughs> to try and like you know you're really handsome yeah you're sexy man like if that's all you got if that's all you had to worry about so when it aired then on netflix you sat down here on your own and watched it i, I sat well we got up at eight o'clock because i was i had a few jobs on that week so I, I wanted to binge it as quickly as i could i watched all five episodes the first day it came out myself and eve and it was fun like trying to spot yourself and i knew i wouldn't be in it too much early on because i suppose I was I was just keeping my head down. Do you know what I mean? And then after watching the five episodes, then were you were you a bit sad, like, or were you a bit disappointed? It was funny because I is I I had hoped to be shown more, but I understand I understand why I wasn't. Mm. It's totally understandable because in there I didn't want to be seen. Do you know what I mean? So I can't really 
blame them for not putting me in it. I didn't nominate myself for anything. You had eyes on the prize. Exactly. And you weren't I was in there, it. I was there to win, but yeah. when I wasn't trying to win the money in the dorms, I was going around everybody cracking jokes and being very funny and positive, and I wasn't let. I didn't want it to seem like it was getting to me. I wanted to be that funny character on the show, thinking that would translate then into real life, and people would think, this guy's funny, let's follow him. Yeah. But they didn't show any of the funny stuff. They didn't show anything entertaining in the dorms. I saw a quick snippet of you giving a dance class. That's the stuff I was doing. Yeah. I was holding classes and I was telling jokes and I was putting on talent shows. and like I, ha- I held a talent show for about 100 people. <laughs> I, I sat everyone down and I went out into the middle of the floor and I was like, hello, I'm Eric Roberts. I'm a contestant from Ireland. Are we all happy to be here? Like with a pretend banana microphone. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have a talent show. All the talented people go to this side of the room. All the spectators go to this side of the room. And I orchestrated the whole thing. Went on for about an hour. And I got people's names. Someone called Rose came up and I says, there's no thorns on this flower here. Ladies and gentlemen, give up for Rose. And she would come out and sing and then dance. Like this was a huge thing in the dorm. Everyone thought this was going to be a whole episode in itself. Wow. People came up to me after saying that you were the best part of the whole talent show presenting it. And I'd never done any presenting before this. And like people have come on after saying, like answering questions, like some of the huge characters in the show. Yeah. And they, they were saying one thing they should have showed with the talent show. That was sick, man. That was great. I've see, I seen that. Yeah. So it was great. Like that was the kind of stuff I was thinking, this is my, mo- this is going to be my moment. But it was just all. Well, you're lucky that you're secure in, in your own head then that you didn't let it affect you too much. But it, it must have been, it must have been a bit disappointing to be sitting here like after bigging it up and like you're the face of it in Ireland. Like yeah. It's safe to say there is another Irish guy, but I think he identifies as being British, does he? I'm not sure what he identifies as. Um, like it's so American strange British because or... he's like a kind of a Conor McGregor from Wish sort of character. I mean, Mikey uh, was Mikey was a funny character. Mike is actually he's a lovely, lovely guy. We just didn't gravitate towards each other in there, which is strange for two Irish people. Like he has the red beard, and he comes on, and he goes, "I'm going to eliminate anyone that gets in my way." Like, yeah. But then it comes up as like Mikey from Belfast. <laughs> It was funny. Mikey played a good game. He played a better game than I did to get on TV. I suppose Netflix wanted a Mikey, not an Eric, because he was game playing and backstabbing and alliance, and I just wasn't in me to do that. Right. It was too cringy. I couldn't do it. And there, he could have saved me as well in the elimination. He didn't. He saved someone that I suppose he was closer to in there, which is totally understandable. I probably wouldn't have saved Mikey if I was up there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We just weren't that close. But you're, you're like Mr. Ireland. He's not. Yeah, I suppose because he's from Belfast or I don't know what it is. Like, I'm very, very lucky in the sense that I have a platform already. A lot of people are going on to that show hoping to build what I have already. So I can't be too sore But he about. has a big platform as well. He does. He's big on TikTok. He's about 300,000 on is, TikTok. Is he a gamer or something? Uh, he does Twitch and he does a lot of feminist women's content. It's hard to What do you mean? explain. He's a, like a women's activist. All right. I yeah, didn't know that. You have to see it. I just thought he was some sort of gamer. Um, but that's so that what I love about this story is right you went on Netflix. It was the worst experience of your life. You're in this air hangar for 2 weeks. You didn't eat, you didn't sleep. You came home. You're 11 months waiting for the TV show to come on. You sit here, you turn on Netflix and then you watch five episodes here with your beautiful wife and you're going, "Fuck, they didn't show me at all." But the positives are you've been on every TV and radio station and newspaper in the whole country. Yeah, and like I just love that story because it's turning a somewhat a negative thing into a positive. Yeah, you've think, you've nailed the PR side of things. I think with this show as well, I think people have a, a better understanding that it it's not like any other reality show that's come before. It's four hundred and fifty six people. I think they showed around ten people. So. I mean, I'm one of the unlucky ones that wasn't shown out of four hundred and forty six other people. There was ten characters, more or less all American. 
who were who fit the narrative, I suppose, of the show they were going trying to put out. I did very, very well in the games. I didn't let myself down. I suppose I wasn't acting up for the camera, and people understand how well I did to get as far as I did. So, because I didn't get a lot of airtime, yes, I'm disappointed. But everyone knows how far I got. Everyone knows how I did, how well I did in the actual yeah. competition, yeah. and that's that's the coverage I'm getting, I suppose. And because of the platform I had already, and I'm involved in the biggest show on the planet. There's that too. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's disappointing that I I would, of course, love more airtime. But the way to get that airtime, I wouldn't have been comfortable doing that. Okay. Wouldn't have been me. Yeah. There's a a term for that, isn't there? Integrity over prosperity. Yeah. Something along those lines. Do you think you've gained followers from it? I definitely have on TikTok. I've gained around 30,000 followers on TikTok just from talking about behind the scenes because people are extremely interested to hear what happened that we that people didn't see, I suppose. What's interesting about that, and if if you're not on TikTok, I watched your video of you saying, because I, I follow you on TikTok, so I watched your video saying, this is what happened behind the scenes. And now that's all I'm getting is contestants that I didn't even see in the show yeah. coming up going, oh, this is what happened behind the scenes. I suppose head. everyone jumped on that bandwagon because obviously there's so many contestants that weren't shown. So the only sort of clout they're going to get off it is by saying, I was on it, this is what happened. What about this guy that said he snuck his phone in, which he clearly didn't because somebody was videoing him putting on his So I think they suit. invited influencers to the set and right. they were allowed to take their phones okay. or something. So this was like a different time period altogether. This wasn't when we were filming, obviously. For I know that it was one of the most successful TV shows Netflix has ever produced, but from a viewer point of view, it was a bit annoying the way they only showed the same 10 people. Now, I don't know if I'm saying that with my hat on, that I'm looking for my friend Eric, or am I saying it from, I'm just like, oh, this not this gobshite again. Yeah. But I mean, they, is, that, is that why it worked? Because they kept playing... Like, they when, when they were doing this, they... It's it's funny because they had no possible way to know who their characters were going to be prior to filming, other than the son and the mother. So, obviously, they knew who was coming to the show. They had an idea who the Atlantis personalities were and stuff. So, for that first game, 456 of us t- taking part, they mic'd up 20 people. All the rest of us had fake mics on. So, they took a stab in the dark and mic'd up 20 people. I think... Maybe 14 of the people that they mic'd up got eliminated on the first day. The girl that squatted down, she was eliminated. Oh, yeah. There was a, another woman that she was the first person to be eliminated. They did like a backstory on her, but she was first to go. So they wanted this thing of who they, who you thought at home the characters were going to be. They're eliminated. They're gone. And it's like, oh, God, I thought they were going to be a big character on the show. So they took a stab in the dark with the mother and son, which turned out to be an incredible story. They both made it across the line. They get as far as marbles together and stuff. But at the time, they didn't know who their characters were going to be. So you, that's why it took so long to get the filming because you have to get a shot of all 456 people in case one of these is going to win. Yeah. So we need to have shots of them. So they, they built the storyline as they went. Things, Certain things happened in the challenges where you'd nominate yourself and then they'd like pull him out for an interview in the dining room. Let's see how he feels right now in this moment. Okay. They're trying to build the story as, as they went. So obviously the 10 characters they had were the people that they thought they could got a story out of the rest of us were just kind of getting through day to day were you in the diary room much about 10 10 times yeah for the first week i wasn't in once because i wasn't doing challenges or chores or i was getting through things and stuff but how was that in your own head you were sitting there going they have never called me in once 
it got to you definitely. Yeah. When you saw other people in and out all the time, you were thinking, "Why, oh, fuck, I'm, I've come over here and maybe I'm missing a trick. What am I supposed to be doing?" But then eventually, when the, I said to myself, "If I keep getting through these games, I'll, I'll, they'll eventually have to call me in," and that's what happened. So when you went into this dorm, that's it. You, you hadn't—they completely cut you off from the outside world. No one came in after the show and said, "How are you getting on, guys? No. Everyone happy out?" Totally immersive. It was just a, here you go. Good luck and fuck you. Yeah. Totally, wow. Totally, totally immersive. There was times when people would come in from the outside wearing tracksuits as if they were contestants, but they'd have earpieces on and they would walk around and they would go, number 24, you should go to the diary room. And then they would walk you out. So that's how it happened. That's how you found it if you'd go to the diary room or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So, but you, like, and you'd be seeing, other people would be seeing that happening and be like, why is that happening? And some people that were taken out to the diary room a lot had a target in their back then. Excellent. Like your man Brighton. Like, why is he going out again? There's <laughs> yeah. something going on there. Maybe he's, maybe he's eliminated someone. Do you know what I mean? It was right. constant, like, you never trusted anyone. How long did it take you to recover when you came out? Like, you must have been messed up for a there's few days. Sti- there's still a part of me that, like, one, like, I watched it back, and I watched back my elimination, and that day I had, like, two or three things to do, and I I got into bed. Like, it all came back to me. And if you see the the YouTube I put up, where how, how fucked I look, hmm. it properly got to us. Like, I was in therapy and stuff after it. Like, it was really bad. Do you know what I mean? To the point where I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom at times. They kept our toothbrushes off us at times. Like, we were captive. Like, it was... It, Why did they keep your toothbrushes? Because they weren't... They just weren't ready to give them back to us. I was like, I want to brush my teeth and go to bed. I'm like, no, you can't go to bed yet. Like, it was brutal. And then the therapy, was that in Ireland when you came home? Or Yeah, it was over Zoom. Over over the course of the year, there might have been three or four different sessions. And like how you know, and I gradually got better and better. But when I for, when I was eliminated, I didn't I didn't speak for maybe twelve hours, and they were sitting me down talking to me, and I was like, and I was just pushing them all. I was like, don't fuck, I don't want like I, I couldn't even say I didn't want to speak to them. I was just like, like I was in shock, because you we were like I was two days away from being a millionaire, and also when we went out, the glass bridge was next. Everyone knew if you get to the glass bridge, you're going to be a character on this show. You're gonna get great TV time if you're on the glass bridge, and we were all just the, a day before it gone. Like so, we were all in bits. Like, and the money is dangling over you the whole time. The whole time. So, like, so for uh, two weeks you were staring up at yeah. four million. When will you have? When will you ever have a one in thirty chance of being a millionaire? That's how close we were. Like, and we knew that after today it's gonna to be a one in ten chance. Like we were all so close to it. Like it was crazy. So we were in a bad way after it. I was in a bad way. And even, like, I'm t- disappointed now watching back that I didn't get more TV time and stuff like that there. But, like, at the time, I didn't care about that. At the time, it was, could have been a millionaire. And what was your biggest worries then in therapy for the first couple of sessions? Or what was what was getting you down? I don't know if it was worries. It was, like, I was on I was in the therapy sessions. And I was like, how have you gotten away with this? Like, how can you do this to people? Just put us through this for a show. So, like, And it was like, I was genuinely angry. I was like, I don't understand the legality of it, how... How is this okay? Like, you starved us and lost half a stone. You wouldn't let me do this and you made me do this. And Like, it was mental. People are suing them, like, think and probably have a case. Like, it was crazy. But sure, we all signed our life away when you were getting up. So as the year went on, I looked back at it more fondly. But I, I watching it back then, it, it did bring back memories. Like, Jesus, that was, that was hard. What are they suing them for? Hypothermia. Some people took fits during Red Light Green Light. It was eight, imagine eight hours not being able to move. Some of these people were in their late 60s. So they portrayed red light, green light as just kind of a five, cu- minutes. five minute game. Yeah, but, but we were standing there for 40 minutes every time we froze. 40 minutes? You couldn't move 
a muscle for 40 minutes and you had to do that for eight hours. So we would run for five seconds, freeze. Don't move for half an hour. Run for five seconds, freeze. Don't move for half an hour. Like it was horrific. There was, the there was Marines and Navy SEALs there who said basic training was easier than this. Like, Wow. Craziness. Then you're kind of climatizing back into normal life and you're seriously pissed off. You're like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm emotionally... Uh, it was the whole thing of just you're you're leaving there knowing the opportunities that you had and I went back to work and I was just getting up for work and going to work after being held captive for two weeks nearly being a millionaire I was like how do you how do I just go back to life now like mm-hmm. now I'm very lucky in the year I've had has been amazing but I couldn't imagine just like being one of the normal Joe Soaps and like going back to your work and going back to work going back to your retail job and yeah. working nine to five and Knowing you could have been a millionaire, knowing the opportunities you could have had and stuff, so it's yeah, it's it was it was a tough experience. Do you feel uh, anything towards what's this guy that's on the cover? What number was he? Brighton four three two four three two. Like, do you feel any kind of anger towards him? Not particularly. I mean, I actually I I messaged him. I was like, "How are you finding all?" He's like, "Yeah, it's crazy because he's blown up and stuff." But like, I think he has like eighty or forty thousand followers on Instagram or something. I'm like, and I messaged him like you how you find it and stuff like that there and he's like oh it's crazy blah 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 but there's some people that got to the top five did incredibly well flown out to LA this week and like all this here but they're going to be back at work in a, a month or two like yeah whereas I'm I, I can't be too angry at it because I'm so lucky to be in the position I'm in but if I, if I as I say if I was if I wasn't posting content online I was still an SNA and I did that and then I went back to my work and that was that was the end of it I'd be I would be angry, like, you'd yeah, be raging. You'd find it hard. So. Yeah. That's really interesting, and, and I really appreciate your honesty and your insight in, into the game. It's lovely to be able to get a real insight to it rather than just kind of coming on and saying everything was great and it was a great opportunity. So aside then from Squid Game and then everything's going great, the content creation is going great, the opportunities are, are, are popping up for you, what, what's next or what's, what's the next prize that you have your eyes on? Um, well, I definitely have plans in place for next year. I, I've been working on a, a children's book um, that sort of focuses on different disabilities and bringing that to the mainstream because that's what I've been trying to do with Oshin anyway. Cool. I want to get into radio. I want to get into more presenting on television, potentially start my own podcast maybe next year. So I definitely have plenty of things I want to take off, but the main goal is to just continue to be as happy as I've been this year and hopefully keep getting the same opportunities and working as hard and seeing where it takes me because that's the most exciting thing about all this you never know what you're doing week to week and you never know what's around the corner so have you ever been asked to set up only fans multiple times a day absolutely and multiple times a day right and it's it's always a niche a niche that goes unscratched yeah because like Garen is is making a few bob there and all he's doing is eating stuff yeah there you go I just I think it's I think people would expect more from you though yeah I think, I think you'd have too to get, much of a stigma you'd have to get your kit off Mm. (laughs) I think for the brand that I'm trying to build at the moment it's not a good fit but down the line if things dry up never say never right you would contemplate it you needed a few pounds do you know what I mean listen we all have our down days yeah did you ever talk to Neve about it I've mentioned it in passing uh, I suppose during the come up period where I I was gaining a few thousand followers a day and stuff I was jeez if I started one of them accounts now we could have a, a house bought next year and what kind of messages do you get do you all get sorts. freaky messages? Yeah, all sorts. And from women as well as men. R- women, and, <laughs> women, and men, women and men. It's actually mainly men. Yeah, it's mainly men. I get as well. Yeah, they they don't give a fuck. They don't. Do you know what I mean? I'd be I'd be terrified 
sending a message to someone and getting a screenshot, then up in the story. Do you know what I mean? Because I've screenshotted a few messages and posted them in stories. Like yeah. the one that asked me for a coffee there last week. I just stuck stuck it up. The whole name and everything? Well, it was a picture of a cat. Okay, okay. So that's yeah, the type. Yeah. That's the type of accounts you're getting these messages off. Yeah, no, and I often think about it. I often think about when we are getting messages from men sliding into our DMs being really inappropriate. <laughs> like, what do beautiful women have to put up with? Oh, God, you couldn't imagine. You, sure you couldn't? Yeah. Show me your feet. Yeah. Send me a photo of your feet. Yeah. I went through a phase there of, during the summer, not this year, I think it was the last year, of my legs. Right. Yeah, people got awful... You have got nice legs. No, well, I don't, I don't know if I do, but people got awful obsessed with the hairiness of them. Okay. Apparently that's a kink. Right. Well, Hairy listen, legs. Every day is a school day. You're yeah. looking at mine now. Yeah, I'm just looking to see. I think I have more hair than you. <laughs> you you've more muscle. You've more muscle, but I've more hair. A good, a good set of plowing legs. Yeah. He's sitting here in a pair of shorts, just in case you're wondering. And it's, uh, what day is it today? Today is the 12th of December. Shorts 24-7. And uh, if you walked across that car park there now and I just looked out the window, I'd go, look at that dick. And Heller. Crocs and shorts is my go-to. I hope we get the weather he's expecting. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for welcoming me into your beautiful home here in in uh, Letterkenny. And I wish you all the best with your success. I met you, was it this time last year or did we meet before that? Was that the first time we met, I think, in Galway? It must have been last year, yeah. At the Galway Christmas markets. And um, there's something very genuine about you. There is. And, and you're easy to be, you know, it's easy to be in your company. And I can see why you went down the SNA route and I can see... Um, there's something very special in you and the Egypt that's on that's online that you know that throws up that content is only a very very small proportion of of the real Eric Roberts you know there's something really lovely about you there's something really genuine about you and I wish you all the success in the world because you thank deserve you it much. thank you very much you do I'll, deserve I'll it same to yourself and your family as well your family are lovely you know and I've had the pleasure of meeting your dad twice and um, you know Paddy's Paddy and and his wife Tanya and you're all just, you're good stock. Oh, good stock, we'll as, take that. As we'd say. Did you enjoy the show in the clannery? I did, it was great crack, and it's amazing to see what you're doing as well. Like, you're one of the hardest workers I know in this industry, and I, I say myself that I put myself forward for loads and I work hard, but when I'm off, I'm off. Like, I do nothing, whereas it seems that you love to be busy when you're doing very, very, very little. You're creating your own kind of work, which is amazing to see. So uh, I don't really have much choice because I don't get the... I don't get the big opportunities that other people get. I don't. I don't get invited onto podcasts or invited into anywhere. Or I don't get the big brand opportunities that other content. They're well get. within your grasp. I feel. I'm sure they are, but there's there's some sort of, um, and I'm not saying that in a begrudging way. I, I don't let it bother me. I paddle my own canoe, you know, and, and I'm lucky that the the shows are going really well. And that's why I that's why I'm so busy, really, mm-hmm. because I kind of have to. It's it's a. But well, that's amazing. To it's have, a survival to thing. have that. It's in very few people to have that sort of drive, and it's amazing. And I hope to replicate that next year as well in the stuff that I'm seeing, because the majority of stuff of my goals next year, stuff I have to go and get myself. So I'm I'm hoping to take a leaf out of your book and just on the show. We'll finish now with this, but on the show in the Clannery in Letterkenny, you came out and you were like absolutely. I've said it to your face, and I I, I say it behind your back yourself. And Kaylee were the highlight of the show. 
we did this lip sync battle where you had to guess what the other person was saying, but you had noise cancelling headphones on. And it was just a laugh a minute. It was. That's that's what they're all about, though. They're just they're good crack and sure. If yeah. you're up for the crack, it's going to be a good show. Fair play to you. Uh, how can people follow you online? I'm on uh, Instagram and TikTok and Feet Finder, um, Eric Roberts. Feet Finder? <laughs> is that a platform? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. Feet Finder? Feet Finder, you find feet on it. That's a new one on me now. Well, there you go now. Sign up. I've awful. Um, I have. I have finger toes. Okay, hairy feet. No, my toes are like fingers. <laughs> you can interlock them. I. <laughs> I don't think I'd sell many. So it's at Eric Roberts on all the platforms. Eric. Yeah, Eric Roberts and all the platforms. You were going to say something else there. I was going to get intricate with the dots. Go on, and do, 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 do. I'll be. I'll, I'll, Eric Roberts will, will come across me. Yeah, literally. <laughs> 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 all right. Thanks a million, Eric. Thank you very much. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie